Today's Dhamma is Chavzayim. We pick up with the Mishnah on Chavav Amadzeh. So we just, we're now going through the, um, we went through the normal way on a normal day that the, the, the various lotteries, lot drawings that would happen in order to distribute the um, avodot related to the first thing in the morning, to the tamid, and then the burning of the toret, and then the final part of bringing the limbs of the animal up to the altar. Um, we, um, we don't really know uh, there was a discussion um, in the um, in the Gemara about how they would distribute the afternoon tamid. Um, was that based on the same lottery, or was that the, was that different people based on the same lottery, or was that a uh, or was that a, or was that the same people? Um, and um, we did not discuss yet anything about the other korbanot um, during the day. Um, so we pick up now. Uh, there is one final point that I did want to mention. I think we ran out of time the other time. Um, the Mishnah had said, the previous Mishnah spoke about how the Tamid was brought with nine people, meaning um, that they were divided between those that would bring up the pieces of meat, the pieces of the animal, and those that would bring up the wine and the flour and the other things that accompanied it. But it said it could get up to 12 based on if it was the afternoon, if it was, if it was Sukkot, and so on. Um, the very last statement, uh, let's reread the last statement right before the Mishnah. So again, the Mishnah said 9 to 12 in terms of how many people bringing up the various limbs of the Tamid with the associated, um, uh, with, the asso- with, with the attendant types of things that were burnt on the altar. And um, the last Brita says, Tani Rebichia, this is two li- three lines before the Mishnah, Rebichia on the Brita, Pais Pamim Yudgimo, sometimes there would be 13 people, because if you remember, the previous Mishnah said the Tamid was 13, because there were four avodot that preceded the bringing of the limbs, the shechting, the, the throwing of the blood, the cleaning of the gold altar, and the cleaning of the menorah. So therefore, those four preceded the bringing of the limbs. So the 9 to 12 of our mission is going to become 9 to 16. So, Pamim Yudgimel, Pamim Yudal, Pamim Tadvav, Pamim Tadzayin. It could be 16. 4 for the things that preceded, and then 12, and in the most extreme cases, with the logs of wood or with the water, um, and so on, 12 for the bringing of the Tamid and the other things that were brought to the altar with it. Now, the reason I wanted to just repeat this was to, was to point out the last thing. That Tanya Yudzayin, one writer says it got up to 17. Now, that's not like Rebbe Lezeb and Yaakov. Why? Because if you might remember, Rebbe Lezeb and Yaakov says, um, says that... Um, <coughs> one minute. Um, right. Um, Rebbe Lezeb and Yaakov says that you would not have another person bring up the, um, bring up the limbs to the altar. So bring it from the altar, from the ramp to the top of the altar. Rather, it's going like Reb Yehuda, who, as the Gemara said before, presumably argues on Reb Lezeb and Yaakov and says that there would be other people who would bring up the limbs from the altar. Now, the only reason I wanted to point this up is, how does that get you one more, right? The, the position that argues on Reb Lezeb and Yaakov, Reb Lezeb and Yaakov again said that, that the same people who brought it to the, to the ramp would bring it from the ramp to the top of the altar. So there would be no extra people. Then the years of opinion that disagreed. It said, no, 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 there was a fourth lottery and other people would bring it from the ramp to the top of the altar. But according to this, you only went up from 16 to 17. So Rashi says, now Tosus has a different read of the Gemara, but Rashi says based on this, that the, God, that the bringing up from the ramp to the top of the altar was not done by, the, by nine new people. It was done by one person. So like nine people brought the stuff to the ramp and then one person came and brought it all from the ramp to the top of the altar. And I just, if you look at Rafi, I've got four lines before the lines get wide. <laughs> Elik Reb Yehuda, he says, Ahu Tani Isle, O Kohen Echad, Hama'ale Eidvari Min HaKevesh Lamizbeach, Varei Tan Yudzayim. So I just wanted to point that out because I thought that was quite startling. You have so many people bringing the limbs, bringing the stuff to the altar, from nine to twelve people bringing the limbs and all the stuff to the altar, and then when we say it gets finished from the, I mean to the ramp, and then from it gets finished from the ramp to the top, according to Rashi, it was one guy who just went back and forth and back and forth. So it's a little bit bizarre. Okay, now let's look at the next Mishnah that speaks the, about... What about lighting the candle in the evening? Um, yes, yeah, so Tosa sort of discusses that, whether it was the same guy who lit them in the morning with them in the evening. The Gemara doesn't discuss that. So we, we, I thought we didn't necessarily light them in the morning, right? I mean, not like clean them in the morning with them in the evening. Okay, let's take a look now at the next Mishnah. So that's in terms of the Tamid, which is a, a lamb. Ayil, if you have a ram, you would have 11 Kohanim bringing a ram, right? Habasa um, five with the five for the meat. 
the various members of the you know the, the various uh, sections of the animal you have five karnim now here's the way it would be so much more than the lamb because the innards the, the flour the, and the wine those would be each, there would be two kohanim for each one of those two kohanim bringing the various inner organs you divide it between two two kohanim bringing the flour that came with the minchas nesachim the mincha that accompanied the korban and two kohanim bringing the wine now again it's a little wild I mean one kohen is going to bring a huge limb but for a little bit extra wine because a ram has a little more wine than a lamb Okay, and a ram has a little bit more flour than a ram. <coughs> so one, uh, we have a little more flour divided between two kohanim. One guy has to carry the whole hindquarters of this animal. <laughs> so apparently, again, some of this is symbolic. The same way we said before that two kohanim would be carrying the two little cups of the incense, right, for the, um, you know, for the shulchan. So sometimes it was just completely symbolic to signify what was being done. So because it was a little extra flour, a little extra wine, in order to signify that it was more than the lamb, that there was an increase in the flour and the wine, we have two kohanim for each one of those rather than one so kohen. Each, each of them took like uh, whatever it is, or two... Presumably two half, yes. Yeah. So one took uh, one little container, the other took like another little container? Presum- presumably. Container, no, 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 they would divide it up. Okay, so that's how you get there 11 as opposed to 9. Uh, now, a cow, which really needs a lot more conning to carry it, would be 24 people. Not 9 and not 11. How do you get this? So first let's start with the head and the, and the, and, and the, uh, and the uh, hind leg, the right hind leg. So if you remember, before that was all carried by one kohen, by a lamb. But here, harosh be'echad, one to carry the head, regal b'shayim, two kohanim, just to carry the living. And this here, Michael, they probably would be carrying it together, okay? Because they carry the whole hind, hind leg, okay? Ha'ukats um, v'haregal, um, now how about the tail and the other hind quarter? Again, by a lamb that was one kohen. Here, ha'ukats v'shnayim, right, the rump. So the rump, you know, whatever would be with two and, and the tail, and not just the tail, is two. And again, the other hind quarter, another two. The chest and the throat. So again, in a lamb, it would be one. Here, so the chest is one and the whole throat area. Again, I don't know because it, it, it contains, I'm not exactly sure how they divided it up, but I assume it sort of contained this part as well. The chest might have been like the side part um, with three. I don't know. Now the two forearms, Bishnayim, two Kohanim, presumably one per Kohen. The state of Hanot, the two flanks, Bishnayim, two Kohanim. Hakirvayim, the inner, the innards, and the flour and the water, and the wine. So the same way before that went up two per, now it's Bishlosha, Shlosha, three per. So you can do the math, comes out to 24. Okay, Pemedramamurim, when is this true that we would divide it up this way, between nine or eleven or twenty-four? Um, so, I mean, but 9 or 12 or 24, the korbanot tzibur, in the communal sacrifices, because there you wanted there to be, like, a lot of kohanim involved, and it to be shown, like, it's being done for all of Kla Yisrael, you want the involvement of many, many kohanim to represent that it's sort of coming for the tzibur. And it's being, so, um, however, of all the korban yachid, if an individual brings the korban, imatsala hakriv makriv, any Kohen who wants to offer can offer it up like there's no way of any, of any particular division. Interesting question, like can the owner sort of uh, say, I prefer for a particular Kohen to do it? That might be tied into the discussion. I know you had this before, I think it was when I was out, about whether the Kohanim are our representatives or God's representatives. Tosus raises the issue whether the owner can request a particular Kohen to bring it for him. Right here it doesn't say who is the Ratzala Hakriv. So I want to do it. I want to do it. You know, I mean, so what if there's a fight about it? It. But anyway, there would not be any clear system of dividing it. You know, it would be done on an ad hoc basis. Have shaitan now. Have shaitan minituchan shall elu elu. But whether the korban tibor, the korban yachid, the flaying and the dismembering shavin would be done the same. Now, what does that mean? Would be done the same? It could just mean that again, there wasn't any particular system. It would be ad hoc. The only system would be for these korbanot tibor, getting as many kohanim involved as possible. Now, I have emphasized that the point about what we're saying as the line of division is whether many kohanim do it and we divide it up, or whether you know whether this whoever's in charge of the Beit Hamikdash says okay. 
okay, here's going to be the division, da, 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 or whether it's sort of an ad hoc basis and can be even fewer, you know, even one Kohen. Rashi has another thing which maybe should have, you know, you would, you would assume, but I want to point it out, but two lines from the bottom, but Medzvar Marmurin, Rashi says, the Be'inan Kohani Kohanim Lecho Behema, U Be'inan Pius, and we need a lottery. So the reason I draw that out is we have yet to say that there would ever be a pious for the Korbanot Sibor. We've only mentioned a pious for the Tamid, right? So there's Korbanot Sibor, there's Musaf, right? Yeah. So what about other Korbanot Sibor? So whoever, you know, so it is true though in Sukkah, you see the whole discussion about the division of the Korbanot of Sukkah being done with a pious and all the various cows that were divided and all the whole ways that that was divided with a pious, okay? But it is worth no- noting that we have not said anywhere that that was here, at least, Yes, there are other places. Sukkah discusses those korbanot of the Musaf. But here we have not discussed that that was done with a pious Rashi pointed out. Actually, we did sort of allude to it not in this discussion before. Because if you remember the way Shemini Atheris, we had a discussion of how Shemini Atheris is different in Sukkot. And we said Shemini Atheris is Pezer Keshev. It has distinct. And what's Pezer? Pious Vishneatzmo. A separate pious for the korbanot Sibur for, for Shemini Atheris as opposed to the one that was done for the Musaf for Sukkot. So it is worth noting, although not explicit in these Mishnayot, that not only would it have many Kohanim and divide up the various tasks in a particular way, but it would have a special pious. And again, I think the significance of this is, for the Korbanot Sibor, you know, you could say it's an honor, you could say whatever, but again, I think the significance is, is that it more sort of shows like the corporate entity of the Kohanim are involved in the bringing of it, not just an individual Kohanim. It's being orchestrated, you know, from, you know, through the Beit HaMikdash, through the offices of the Beit HaMikdash, and it's being done by all the Kohanim participating. I mean, if everybody gathers together for the pious, in a way, everybody's involved in the process, even if only a small number actually bring it. So I think there's a Tzibor element here in terms of the community of the Kohanim that is being parallel to the fact that it's a Korban Tzibor. You had a question, Norm? No? Yes. It was 24 koanim per ox times 70. Um, well, yes, except there were also, remember that on the regalim, there were also the, all the mishmarot were there. So the actual division that they did there was a, sli- it was a, it was a slightly, the pious there is, 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 is slightly different in that it's determining which mishmar right. does, you know, so we give the cow, first, the, the first cow to this mishmar, the next cow to that mishmar, the next cow to that mishmar. Then within the mishmar, yeah. presumably they divided it but with 24 the, the koanim. The number of yeah. koanim is right. 70 times 24 right. just for that Exactly, exactly. And was there a pious for like, was there a pious for the, for, so that, it's, it's, thank you for bringing that up though, because that's important to note that the pious by the regalim was more about which mishmar would do, you know, the different things, not the division within the mishmar of the different parts of the korban. Was there a pious on Rosh Chodesh? For the, for, you know, for, was there a pious on Shabbat, for the Musaf of Shabbat? Right, that is not being said here, Rashi says it. Okay, yes. Talk about the refined number of Do they actually have, if you were going to divide the Nisachim, one of them was the Yain, and that was divided by two Kohanim, and if an Ayah was like a third of a Hin, and he had to have a sixth of a Hin for Shabbat, yeah. they had that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought they had like a, only like a certain size, didn't they? I don't think so. They, they they might have had certain sizes for measuring, but I don't think they had limited to sizes in terms of the, all the types of vessels they would use. No, I don't think so. Okay, let's take a look at the Gemara. So Tana. So the Gemara skips the whole first part of the Mishnah. We taught have Shaitan Vinituhan Shavin Zar. So as opposed to just the, the simple sense of the Mishnah, which means that the slaying and the division was not sort of done with the pious and it was just an ad hoc distribution, you know, ad hoc. The Gemara says it means more than that. It means that they could be flayed and dismembered even with a non-Kohen. It wasn't an avoda. So even, so, okay. So Amr Chizkiya. So that, now we're going to focus on this issue about what can be, be done bizarre. What can be done bizarre? Where would it be flayed? Um, so, you know, th- that's a good point. Like, would you allow Azar in the Azara, in the Azra Kohanim? You would, you might. Uh, there's an issue about the Chizar uh, you know, but that's um, but in theory, I mean, a czar could be um, in the. So as long as you're not going to an Yeah, it's a it's a good point. The czar certainly could be in the Ezra Israel. You could do the Hefshed and Nitor in Ezra Israel. Of course, we'll get a little messy there. There was a special space to do it, right? Yeah, after they thought it, right? Then they exactly. Right, and as you might remember, in terms of the way the base Hamikdash looks, right? If you have here your base Hamikdash, right? 
years or whatever, right? So this area here, right, they have the, 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 the holes for like, um, you know, um, for, for holding them and slaughtering them. Then they've got the tables for washing out the innards. And then they have like the uh, hooks here for hanging them up and slaying them. And it was all done there. And Michael is right because the Azra Yisrael was here. Technically, it was all the Azara. So in theory, you could do it here without taking a chutz Azara. But the, the actual stuff was done there. But yeah, in theory, you could. Okay. Um, what time of day was it done? What? Well, well, the tamid was done first thing in the morning, and the tamid in the afternoon was done very late in the afternoon. Okay, the Mishnah in Kalim that says, let me just quickly answer this. The Mishnah in Kalim that talks about who could be in the different zones in the Mikdash um, does not... Um, well, we learned before the Megalim that you know, the whole place is full of... Yeah, well, that's true, too. Yeah, that's true, too. So, yeah, so there would be times when they would go in. Right, absolutely. Even a gate that was called the women's gate, right. the other right. so women would even come right. in. It's, I mean, the idea that only Kohen could come in is just right. Not that, not really. Right, right, right. Let me just read it to you, and then we'll go on. Um, okay, so um, here. Um, it says so it talks about the different areas of the mikdash and who could go in, and it said. The Ezra Konim is more sanctified than the Ezra Yisrael. They could only go in when necessary. Right. Now the normal necessary is, I'm bringing my korban, I want to do smicha, maybe I even want to shecht my own korban, or a waving, but it does say that they could go in as necessary into the Ezra Kohanim. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's take a look at the Gemara. They could actually be done with a non-Kohen. How do you know that the flame could be, e- again, the phrase equal is borrowed from the ninja, but how do you know it could be done with a czar? The verse says, They should put fire on the altar. So, so the fire requires a Kohen. Not the flame in this memory. Of course, that's like a strange limud because, you know, how do you know what you're excluding? Why is the suggested thing that is not being said about the flame? It says the fire needs Kohanim. So, something else doesn't need Kohanim, and we've identified that something else as the flame and dismembering. So now we're going to spend the rest of today's daf trying to figure, sort of doing an analysis of the psukim to try to get us to how we know that what sort of saying doesn't need Kohen, the implicit thing that's being excluded, is the flaying and dismembering. It's possible so, that Shavim doesn't mean equal there. It's possible means like La'asot, Na'asim, Na'asim. I don't think so, but we'll talk about it later. Okay. Hamibayale, so the mother says, Hamibayale Lugufe, one minute. Maybe, for, there's two questions. One is, how do you know it's coming to exclude anything? Right. And the other question is, well, how do you know what's being excluded? So the first question is, how do you know it's excluding anything? Maybe it's just telling you that you need a Kohen to put the wood on the, to, you know, to put the wood on the altar. Maybe a, not a czar. It's not an actual avoda of the korban. So it's telling you that it is considered an avoda and you need a Kohen. So, Amarashini Barashi. Ashkechei So now we're going to answer the question based on a, this is a fascinating thing, Abaye teaching his, cha, his son. Okay, so uh, so he says, I found Abaye. He was explaining this to his son. How we get this idea that the Hefshid and Yitzhak, thank you, does not require a Kohen. Let's take a look. So actually, so I, it's important to like read this Pasuk here because we're going to be focusing a lot on this Pasuk. So let me get it for you here. Okay. Vishachat, right? Et ben abakar lishnei Hashem. Vishachat. Okay, et ben abakar. And then what does it say next, Michael? Vikrivu b'nei Aharon. Okay. Vikrivu b'nei Aharon. Kakoanim et Adam, right? Kakoanim et Adam. Okay, et Adam. Vizarku et Adam, right? Al-Nibir et Adam. 
Okay? Then the Yifshit of Ta'olah, the Yitakos Hash, the Yifshit, what do you know that's different about the Yifshit? Singular again. Singular, right? Okay, singular, not yeah, singular. Then, there are two Okay, so what? What's, what's the well, Vayikras uh, Aleph starting with Zalif. Okay, so here it is with Arku, right? Mostly it says B'nai Aharon, and Ahnu B'nai Aharon, Baruchu B'nai Aharon. So what are the things that are singular and are not B'nai Aharon? Tamach, Beshachach, Vifshit, Vinitach. Right? Very good read of the pasuk, right? Then, then you get later though. Yeah. Right. Well, so the problem. What? So so then also the thing of kohen though. No. Yeah, but it says hakohen. So okay. So maybe that could also be done with the Okay. But it pretty much always says the kohanim when it's the kohanim. I think only one place does vizarku say the kohanim. No, but it's the end of the Pasuk of Vihikrivu. So every time it's the Kohanim, it pretty much says it, okay? And otherwise, it implies the Bailim, either by implicitly having been talking about the Bailim above, or by the shift to the singular, okay? So let's take a look. So in a way, it's going to be funny, because there's going to be a lot of, like, ten, like Midrash, you know, like, sort of darshaning the Psukim, in terms to get to this conclusion, when in a way, it's almost shot of the Psukim. So let's take a look at it tomorrow, Okay. So I found Abaye. He was explaining to his son the shachat shchita bezarek sheira. The czar, the owner shachs it. That's okay. So where are you coming from? Meaning, what would have made you think that it wouldn't be okay? Obviously, we're starting with an assumption that everything needs a kohen, and we have to be told that it doesn't need a kohen, which is a pretty good assumption. But where is that assumption coming from? So, Michal Shanemar, because of the general statement in the Pasuk, you have to protect your Kuhuna. So basically, it says, hey, God, this is yours, everybody else off limits. So the assumption is anything relating to the base of Mixish service is a Kohen. So maybe that includes even Shrita. And then, from the passing of the blood, that's where the Kohenim jump in. Because although it says he Kriyu, which means to bring the blood to the altar, remember we even had the discussion before about the pious, who was the Makabel of the Dam. And the guy who's the Kabbalah is the one who, is the, who brings the blood to the altar. So this is, this is Kabbalah and Hakraba. This is, these are the four Avodot, right? And this is Zrita. So starting, so the Kabbalah and Hakraba get wrapped into the Hikrita. So starting with Kabbalah, that's the Avoda that requires a Kohen. Shrita does not require a Kohen. Okay, um, going back to the Pasuk, he, the owner, does Micha, and he, the Shachat, Limen Ashkita Shakir Bizar. So Azar can do the Shrita. Very good. That gets us that. How is that and the Smicha? Because he not only can, he has to do the Smicha. It's his Korba. Now, how are we going to get to the Heshek Vinituach? So that that could be Azar. Michti. Let's take a look. Mi Kabbalah Ve'elach, from Kabbalah onwards, Mitzvah Kahuna. So why then does the Pesach down here have to re-emphasize it? Already said B'nai Aron, right? The Zarku is the end of this Pesach. Why? So I know that the general rule is only Kohanim, unless I'm told otherwise. And then I'm told this is okay. not But from here, Kohanim kick in. If from here, Kohanim kick in, why does it have to repeat B'nai Aron here? It's, I, I've already been told it's Kohanim. I'm going to assume everything that follows is Kohanim. And you know what? That's like, a, you know, a shot question in the Pesukim. B'nai Aron, B'nai Aron, B'nai Aron. I got the idea, right? It's the Kohanim here are doing the Avodah. So why is it repeating B'nai Aron? So what's the obvious answer? Because this Pesuk is not B'nai Aron. Because the Hishit Genitach is not B'nai Aron. Okay, and therefore it has to go back to tell you B'nai Aron. And that's what we're talking so, like? What? That has to be to a bizarre? Yeah. So, Lamali, so... 
Why does it have to go back and say B'nai Aron? You're, uh, it's already all about Kohanim. To tell you that the slaying and the dismembering, that does not have to be B'nai Aron. Okay, that's what Abai explained to us. I'm beautiful. So now the Gemara is going to have a lot of questions. So the Gemara says like this. One minute. You can't tell me that. It had to say B'nai Aron there for a particular purpose. What's the purpose it had to tell me that? By the, uh, by the, um, putting the fire on the altar. I would have thought that's not an avoda that prevents the animal from being kosher it's not the kabbalah or the zrika maybe it's of a different quality and therefore maybe it wouldn't require kohen it does require kohen so therefore you can't learn it from here now what is going on because while the simple thing that Abayi is saying is very clear kohen he doesn't point out singular Kohen again so obviously it's leapfrogging over this to tell you non-Kohen the Gemara is not looking at it that way the Gemara is looking at it in its classic sort of drush away of this is an extra Pasuk what do we learn from the extra Pasuk so ignore everything that came above you just have this one little Pasuk that says oh that's superfluous I know Kohanim do the Avodah so the only reason the Torah is telling me that is to imply that there's something else that doesn't need a Kohen. So then the answer to that is, it's not superfluous. I might have thought that since this isn't actually the Hakravas HaKorban, maybe it didn't have to be a Kohen. So it's not superfluous. So therefore, it's not superfluous. You can't infer anything. Again, what I would say you really is inferring is not the fact that it's superfluous, but that it leapfrogs and that this is the singular and it's been around before and after. But the Gemara is understanding it to be it's not to be from the fact that it's superfluous it's teaching me that this doesn't need harmonious it's not superfluous because maybe I wouldn't have thought maybe that would also wouldn't have required Kohen okay so we're still so we, so we don't we, we feel we still don't have our limud about the Hefzid and Nituah so you learn from this Abaye was Sephardic and the Gemara was a <laughs> <laughs> alrighty so I was like this um, it's going to be interesting Abaye's uh, seeing Abaye in terms of him teaching issues related to Korbanot it's going to come up more later on anyway let's take a look um, so I guess I started young kids you right there you go so let's try from here so it's Varchu no not that Varchu it's another Varchu where is that right after so it's this, there's two Verachus next to the news, right? Okay, there's Verachu and then there's Verachu, right? That's putting the stuff actually on the fire. <coughs> that's just B'nai Aron, right? Yes. Okay, so that's Okay, so that also is seen as expert. Once we know here that even though it's not about the bringing of the Korban, you, uh, you know, I might have thought it doesn't require Kohen. And the Lord's like, no, it's telling even Aaron, even after, even if it's not about the thing of the Korban, you need a Kohen. So then this Aaron is again extra. If the fire already needs a Kohen, certainly the putting of the limbs on the altar is going to need a Kohen. So now we, at least we got something else that's extra. Okay? So the Lord says like this. From Kabbalah onward is the Kohen's job. So why does it have to tell me again that the Kohen puts the limbs on? Okay. So it must be to tell me that those are the things that require Kohanim, but not the flaying, not the dismembering. So... What do you mean? He'd say the same thing he'd say? He, no, he, I thought that according to Abayi, the is already saying that, you know... Well, great. some people want to learn that this is all Abayi saying to his son. That, that, that Abayi is working this through with his son. I don't think that's what's going on. I think Abayi said the first thing and the Gemara is reframing it. Anyway, the aim of Sanatomy is fine. Here it says Benaron, that's extra. That teaches you that that Pasuk does not require a Kohen. So the Gemara says, the Emali Ute Eitzim. No, maybe what it's telling me is, is that this stuff here requires Kohanim, but the two logs of wood in the afternoon Tamid, that doesn't require Kohanim. Now, that's like, where are you getting that from? Like, that's not even part of the whole conversation. Okay, and especially since the wood here requires Kohanim, it's strange why I would think the afternoon wood would not require Kohanim. So that's what the Gemara is going to respond back. Misavra, it makes sense, that it's excluding 
look, a carbon issue, not like wood. Okay, what I would say even stronger is it's excluding something in this process. Okay, the one that doesn't say Kohen and the one that's in singular. Okay, <laughs> so that makes sense that that's what it's saying, that that part doesn't need Kohen. No, I'll say the opposite. Since this is talking about putting things on the fire, so this putting things under fire requires Kohanim, but there's another putting things on the fire that does not, the wood, in the, the wood by the afternoon tamid. Okay? So you see that rather than like uh, just looking at the psukim and looking at the <coughs> difference of this pasuk, it's all based on this drasha of if it's an extra thing, what is it coming to exclude? So maybe it's excluding something in a di- completely different category, excluding the wood that's put in the afternoon. That doesn't make sense. The Amar Mar, because the Master teaches, the Kriva Kohen is a Koham Yisbecha, the Kohen shall bring it all to the altar, Zu Alachas Evarim Lakevesh. This is the bringing of the limbs to the ram. Halachas Evarim Lakevesh, who divide Kuhuna. So that requires a Kohen, bringing the limbs to the ram. Halachas Eitzim Lobaikuna. And then, very interesting, but implicitly, the bringing of the wood to the ramp would not require Kohen, because it's only the bringing of the limbs that the Pasuk is telling us. Hasidr Shnei and then implicit from that is that only the bringing of, the bringing of the wood does not require Kohanim, but the actual placing of the wood by Kahuna does require Kohen. So that's a little bit funny how it makes all those inferences by what's not being said. But the basic answer is no. We're taking it for granted that putting the wood on the altar, whether in the morning or, or actually, excuse me, I said the morning. I didn't mean it. This is just a this is an ola. This is just a private ola. But the, whether the putting on the wood on the altar, whether in this category or whether in ter- whether or whether in the afternoon tamid, we're taking it for granted that that requires a kohen. So if that requires a kohen, right? Why does it say b'nei Aaron here? What is it coming? I knew that we're talking about kohanim. From this point on, I know we're talking about Kohanim. Why does it repeat Bnei Aron? And it must be repeating it to tell me that this does not require Kohanim. Okay. The Archu Lamali, what? The which does not require? The Yishit Okay. So... Would you say that's the most disgusting... Yeah, it is. It's giving the non-Kohanim the dirty work. Totally. Okay. They probably don't want to do it. Could be. Okay. But at the end of the day, it's... It's pretty proud of the psukim, what the Gemara yeah, is saying. Yeah. Okay, so the Gemara says, the Archu Lamali. So, why again do I need Varchu B'nei Aharon here, Esanitachim, once I know that anyway all this stuff is with Kohanim? Salim Ute, Hefshit Vinituach, to exclude Hefshit Vinituach, doesn't require Kohanim. So, again, okay, we're back to the pretty simple sense of the psukim. So, the Gemara somehow is still not satisfied. The Ema Hachanami Lugufe. Maybe I need this to tell me something about it itself. Now, what I need to tell me about it itself is not clear because we've already said it's obvious that it needs Kohanim. But we're going to see in a minute what, why it might be emphasizing B'nai Aaron here for a purpose intrinsic to the placing of the limbs on the altar. So maybe it's not extra. We'll see why it's not extra in a minute. Ella, fine. Here's how we learn it out from. The Tira Kohen Esakol, which says the Kohen puts it all up where's that pasuk Michael you read that a minute ago right what happens what happens so okay so I'm sorry you have to continue here so what is it v'kirbo 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 Okay, so this is hakol. This is basically the placing of the the mitachim al Okay, and this includes even the kirbayim. Right, remember we discussed the limbs with so many kohanim, the kirbayim with so many. Okay, so this is the kirbayim. This is the putting on the. This is all the putting on the fire. Okay, so again the question is why hakohen here? Okay, that's extra. So you're all the way up on top of the kevesh on top of the mitzvah. What? You have to be all... Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so the Gemara says, um, uh, the, So first it's bring it to the ramp, and then you're going to put it on the altar. So, Okay, so... So, oh, well, I... Um, so it's bringing it to, so we're, going, so we're repeating what we said before, before, right? It's bringing the limbs to the ramp that requires a kohen, not the bringing of the wood. Hasidur shnegazir is in bai kuhuna. So the putting of the, of the, of the, uh, of the logs requires a kohen. Vinasnu lugufe. 
where it says, Benafshu B'nai Aharon, that's coming to tell you that that is, again, even though it's not part of making it a kosher korban, it's, uh, it still requires kohanim. V'archu, and now the V'archu here, okay, why do you need the B'nai Aharon here by the V'archu, by the putting of the limbs, now we're going to tell you what you need it for. V'archu Shnayim, because that's in the plural, that's two. B'nai Aharon Shnayim, two. HaKohanim Shnayim. So this whole thing about dividing up the tamid between six kohanim, bringing the limbs, and then three with the attendant stuff, that we're now linking it to a pasuk. Three plurals tells me six kohanim are the ones that bring the limbs to the ramp and then put it, you know, from the ramp onto the onto the altar. Okay, so. Anyway, um, so, um, so, uh, where are we? Okay. Uh, you need to be careful, Anna, to call me Vicha. That's, of course, the one that says it's one person that brings it up from the ramp. One more time? Because the end of that, what is, how does it be careful, Anna, to call me Vicha? That's singular. So it just means support the ramp. I know, Rashi is before that, it's one person who brings yeah. it from the ramp, right. Um, okay, so, um, so, okay, so one minute. So now, so that, we're not done, though, because, I'm a Rav Hamnuna. That's very nice, except there's a little problem. Kashalei Rebbe Lezer, had a problem with that little drasha. Hayda then a bucket This pasuk is talking about a cow, not a sheep. And a cow we just learned is 24. So you can't say that these doubles here are coming to tell you the thing about the sheep. Uben Abakar asim b'arbabai. Tanichalei, he resolved it because it says, Alaitzim asher al-eish asher al-mizbeach. That you put these limbs on the fire, on the wood, on the altar, which is a little, like, redundant, right, to say all those things. So, what type of cordman does it mention all these things? Fire, wood, and limbs. Have you omer zetle, the tamid, because the tamid, the Torah says, you know, so the whole idea of eish and mizbeach and eishim is all mentioned with the tamid. Okay? So, um, um, so basically, what we are, what we have finished with, it's a little unclear how this more finally resolved. Uh, but the basic point is, is that again, it's here all the kohanim is plural, kohanim is plural, no kohanim hefshed in itoch is bizarre. Is Gemara says, is it based on the fact that bnei Aaron is just simply pshat of sukim? But Gemara wants to say, based on the fact that bnei Aaron is extra. So it says it's not really extra here. You need to emphasize that you need Kohanim even when it's not actually making the Korban a Pasha Korban. But Bnei Aaron might be seen as extra here, coming to tell you that this does not need it to be Bnei Aaron. But the final direction of the Gemara was maybe part of what Bnei Aaron is doing here is t- this teaching that you get six Kohanim to put the stuff on the Mizbeah. Okay, let's move on from that. Um Rabbi Yochanan, Zar Shasida, we're not really moving on. Zar Shasida has a maracha chayev. If a non-Kohen puts, we said, right, that this has to be the putting of the fire, the putting of the wood has to be a Kohen. If a non-Kohen did it, chayev, he transgresses. He's a non-Kohen that did an avoda. And he's chayev misa bide shamayim. Keta who owns that, what can he do now to correct himself? So, pork of a chodr sodra. He takes it off the fire and puts it back on. So the says, what? Maya Honeyway. What good does it do for him to put it back on? He, he, when he puts it on, it's no good. He's just going to do the Avera a second time. It's like, you know, you walk into a room and you turn, off, turn on the light and you forget to stop. What do you do? It stops. Oh, whoops. You <laughs> it back off. So, that's not actually going to help. Uh, it makes it worse. So Maya Honeyway. Ella, Porkazar, Vesodra Cohen. Fine. He undoes it. And then a Kohen will come and do it. He did his Avera, but you can redo the putting of the wood on the fire, take it down, and a, and a, and a Kohen will put it back now, on. Now, yes. how do you learn that? Was there a new kimta the Gemara didn't want to explore? It couldn't make sense of it. was a mistake. That's not what he meant by that. It just completely erased it. Like I don't know. No, it could be implicit. It could be implicit. It could be he's not emphasizing the czar. He's more saying how you deal with the situation is you undo it and you redo it, you know, as opposed to this person. But anyway, I should, though, by the way, say I'm being a little imprecise because Sidur Ma'aracha is not the Nisinat Eitzim. Sidur Ma'aracha is... is um, it's like arranging the wood pile, you know, with the stuff that's already there. And then there's the idea of adding new wood. And that's right. It says, 
So those are two stages. One is organizing it, and the other is putting the new wood. Here it's talking just the arichat, just the setting up of the wood pile, has to be done by a kohen. If it's done by a czar, you undo it, and then it's redone by a kohen. So the thing is that if you don't end up burning it after the arichat, then the arichat doesn't do anything. Right. One more time, what are you saying? Taking it apart. Look, you've already done it. Right. What does it help to take it apart? Right. There's an act of Aricha that's important to be done by a Kohei. Right. right. Well, no. That's how I would have learned the Chiddush. Well, in yes. the case that the Aricha is nothing until it ultimately gets burnt, and then retroactively that Aricha oh. becomes something. Okay, maybe. I, I hear that. I hear that. So I, what I also think is the Chiddush is you might think Aricha is just like if it needs to be arranged, have it arranged, you know? So if a czar did it, he did his sin, but now yeah, but nothing needs to be done. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, no, but that's the point. That, that's what I see is the point that there's an actual act of Aricha that is important to be done by a Kohen, even if, like, not necessary in a way. So you make it necessary. <coughs> that's, that's, but I, but I better hear your point as well. Okay. Yeah. Everything needs a Kohen. And that's what he's saying. So, yeah, because just said what I would have excluded from the Pasuk, but in the end I didn't. In the end, the bringing, you know, I, I, the, the, the bringing of the, only the, the bringing of the 18 to the ramp doesn't need a Kohen, but the putting the 18 on the okay. bed, yeah, yeah, that doesn't. Okay, anyway, so the Gemara says like this. Maskeetwa Rebzeira, so Rebzeira asks, One minute. You're telling me that the Aricha, now again, we've learned it very nicely from the Psukim, that the Aricha requires a Kohen, but I don't get it, he says. This is a nighttime avoda. This would take place, you know, you do it at the end of the day. Um, I don't know how he knows you do it at the end of the day. You do it together with the Truma Sadeshen, okay, which would be the beginning of the day, I should say. So you do it at night. So it's a, if it's something at night, he says it's not a real avoda. So if it's not a real avoda, if it could be done at night, then I don't see why a czar can't do it, even though the Pesukim suggests otherwise. I don't see why the czar can't do it. It can be done at night. So the Gemara says, Velo? You, is that really true? I'll, I'll show you plenty of avodas that are done at night that need a Kohen. <laughs> How about the burning of the limbs? That needs a Kohen, and that gets finished at night. The Gemara says, no. That's fundamentally a day avoda. But if you didn't finish burning them on the fire in the day, you finish at night. But fundamentally, it's a day avoda. As opposed to this, which he understands, it's like setting up the fire in the first thing in the morning, or first thing before the morning begins, is fundamentally a night avoda. Okay? So the Gemara says, How about the removing of the ashes? That's done before daybreak, and that's puzzle with a czar. It says, Fine, that's starting the day avoda. It relates to what's going to be done in the day. It's not fundamentally a night. Of course, our response would be, but that's exactly what the aricha of the, of the, wood, of the wood is. Right? It's done at the time of the Trumas Adesh, and it's to get the fire ready for the day. So why do you think Trumas Adesh can be assigned the label of day avoda and not the wood? I really don't know. So the Gemara says, the Amar Rabbi Yaakim, Rabbi Yochanan, here's the evidence that the Trumas Adesh is considered to be a day avoda, even though it takes place at night. If he's washes his hands for Tumas Adeshen, he doesn't have to wash his hands when at daybreak. Because he already washed, normally you wash your hands at daybreak when it passes from night to day. But here you don't have to because you already did it for the day Avodot. And therefore this was the first of the day Avodot and you already wash your hands for that. So you see it's considered to be the first of the day of Adah. But somehow, maybe the understanding is just the Trumas Adeshan part of it, not the Ma'aracha. That is considered, conceived of as a pure night of Odah. So the Gemara said, and therefore he doesn't understand why a non-Kohen can't do it. So Ella, the Ella Kasha, so we've got our problem. So Ella ki yitmar hachi yitmar, here's how it's said. Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan, Zar shesidr shnei gzirei eitzim chayev, yomhi. Actually, we're going to uh, we're, we're we're going to say that he's not talking about Cedar et Hamaracha, which is the first part. He's talking about the next part. So, if a non-Kohen is um, one minute, hold on, let me just make sure I'm saying this right. Yeah, if a non-Kohen puts the two <coughs> logs of wood on the fire, that's already an avodat yom, and therefore you're chayev. So basically, the Gemara has done an amazing thing. 
it basically said that although we said we learned from the Psukim that this requires a Kohen and we start out with a simple statement which is that okay it requires a Kohen if a non-Kohen did it he's high if he transgresses because of this idea that we're conceptualizing this as a nighttime avoda, we basically said it's not true if a Zar did it actually he wouldn't be high even though the Psukim say Kohen if a Zar did it he wouldn't be high if it's a nighttime avoda. when is a Zar Chayev? only in the putting of the logs on the wood the new putting of the logs that's already considered to be a daytime avoda. But the arranging of the wood, that's conceived of as a nighttime avoda. And even though the psukim tell you you need a kohen, and even though initially we said a non-kohen is chayev, because it's, it's amazing, again, because, because we're conceptualizing it as a nighttime avoda, and, we, and we're assuming that a nighttime avoda has to be kosher bazaar, we're actually saying the psukim, it's, it's not true. But the evidence, you don't need a kohen to do it. Okay, so if he said anything, he didn't say it about arranging the wood, he said it about putting the new logs of the wood on the fire. Even though maybe that's done at night, like the Chumas Adeshin is done at night, that at least can be conceptualized as an avodat yom. So Matis Rava, so Rava asked on this, if it's really an avodat yom, why don't you do a lottery for that? So Ishtamitate, so Rava forgot when he asked this question, Hajatanya, what we taught in Abraisa. There is a lottery for that. The guy who does the Trubas Adeshen also arranges the wood and puts on the logs of wood. So, fine. So, that's what we have. So, again, I want to just make clear what we're saying, right? You've got here, the normal avoda is, if you remember the pious, right? The pious reshown was for Trubas Adeshen, right? And what happened? The guy who did the Trubas Adeshen did the Sidor, Ma'rocha, he arranged the word pile, he did the snake and Zirayetzin, he put on the two logs, and then he did the Truma Hadeshen, right? And then it was Daybreak, and then you did the Tami, right? So that's what you did, right? So now the Gemara is saying, and even though all of this in the Psukim down here say, Bnei Aron HaKohanim, right, requires Kohanim, and we start by saying, therefore, if a non-Kohan does it, He's high as Nisa. Because of this, of this challenge, oh, it's a nighttime avoda, we all of a sudden are now saying that this is Kasher Bazaar against the Pesach. Because we're conceptualizing it, and, and against the original statement of Rabbi Yochanan, because we're conceptualizing it as a nighttime avoda. And what we're saying is that this already is considered to be relating to the day. So this part already is a day avoda, and this part a zarachaya, but not the part that, not the sefer maracha that preceded. So the Talmud would have us read the psukim. <coughs> were these avodot done, done during the day? They would require <coughs> presumably. What you know, is sefer maracha? It's I don't know that it's arranging the you know the stuff burns and you rearrange all the wood. You ever you ever tend to a campfire? Yeah. There's a lot of sefer maracha goes on in tending to a campfire. <laughs> okay, so the Talmud goes like this. Okay. So, and Rava says, why don't you have a pious? And the answer is, you do have a pious. Okay. So, Lemenra, the Gemara says, the fact that Rava said, one minute, if it's a day avoda, it needs to have a pious, that means that avodas don't buy a pious. Avodas why will buy a pious. Implicitly, Rava is saying that things that are daytime avodas, you do a pious for, at least if they're Corbin seaboards. Nighttime avodas, you don't do a pious. Vare, a varmupidarin. What about the burning of the limbs? Now, I don't know where the Gemara knows that the burning of the limbs you did a pious for, right? I mean, what you did a pious for was the bringing of, according to one position, you did a pious for the bringing of the limbs from the ramp to the top of the altar. Everybody remember that? The fourth pious, the bringing of the limbs from the ramp to the top of the altar? So that is bringing it, is then putting it on the fire, is then the burning of the limbs, okay? So the Gemara says, ah, but that, and presumably that was the morning tamid, and it was maybe it indeed and it was the afternoon tamid so maybe that burning of the limbs has to be finished at night and nevertheless you're doing a pious so look you do a pious on something that applies at night now that's such an obvious answer but Mark says so favori di mamahi what are you talking about that, that whole process begins in the day right I mean the, the basic pious there was for bringing putting it on the fire initially and that was done during the day so the Mark says one minute a very truma sadeshen what, right. what about the Truma Sadeshen? I know, it's, it's a very strange Gemara. It's repeating itself. What about the Truma Sadeshen? If Rava is assuming that you only do a pious for daytime avodas, 
So the Truma suggestion is a nice time of Now there's an obvious answer. What's the answer? What well, we said it before. Tchilas avodi di mamagi. Bizarrely, the Gemara gives a different answer. Tosos doesn't understand why it gives a different answer. The Gemara says, no, that's Mishumaitzer Shahaya. That was because of what happened. Remember what happened? The race and the coin breaking the leg and the other coin getting stabbed. So, okay. So anyway, now we are completely focusing on a different thing. Based on Rava's question, what is the assumption of what things you do a lottery for? And there's an assumption you only do a lottery for day avodas, not night avodas. So the Gemara says, Lemeimra, the avodas yom, which is archaivalav nisa bayis pious. So now it seems like we're coming to the conclusion, it's all about the lottery, that day avodas and things that a czar is chayiv for are things that need a pious. Ains are chayivalav nisa, but presumably if a czar is not chayiv nisa for it, Lo buy a pious, we not need a pious. So, if that's true, says Gemara, Varei Shrita, how about Shrita? That was one of the things that was distributed, and that's not, and that's Kashra Bazaar. So the Gemara says, no. Shani Shrita, the Tchilas Avodahi. Yeah, but that's the beginning of the process of the Tamid, and the Tamid, and all, all the rest of the processes need a Kohen. Okay. Sorry, wait, um, yes. Bazaar wants, no, he could, and the Gemara even said it before, although presumably not for the Tamid, but at least hypothetically maybe he could. But so it's they, just saying that they, that was included in the pious because it was all part of the pious for the Tamid. But if they knew there was, let's say, a Zara that was visiting for that day, they wouldn't... I don't know. I don't know. So the Gemara says, the Hanan wrote Tanan Hachi. We didn't teach this way. Because what did we teach in the Mishnah? Amar lema mamuna, tzu'ur'ui nigiyaz man hashchita. So, is it, where they had a guy looking out to see if it was daybreak, if you could check. The Iluzman, Shnei Gezira Eitzim, Roktani. So, and the two logs of wood, you did not teach. Meaning, the Gemara's understanding, and this helps clarify it, that if we're saying this is a Lila Avoda, and, and this is only considered to be a day Avoda because it's Chilas Avoda Yamama, so the Gemara's understanding that the only reason we excluded the seed of Maracha is the only nice thing we're willing to say is connected to the day is the Truma Tadeshen. That's the only thing we're considered. So if that's true, what about the logs of wood? Right? So, so why is that considered a day of Bodas? So the Gemara is actually assuming that this occurred during the day. But different, okay? So that's what the Gemara is assuming. We have to make it a day of Bodas to be higher for it. And therefore, Truma Tadeshen is the only nighttime thing that is considered a day of Oda. So that has to be during the day. If that's true, says the Gemara, we didn't teach that. We said when it's daybreak, it's the time for Shechita. The Iluzman Shnegazire, it's in Loktani. So, and we didn't say that it's the time for the logs of wood. So you see the logs of wood can be done at the night? So the Gemara says, no. Hachta leisleta kantakhtani. Something that would have no way to fix it if you shechted the animal before daybreak, you got a dead animal, so that we had to make sure that, you know, we're very careful that you waited for the announcement before shechting the animal. Hach, the east way to something that if you got it wrong, fine, take the logs of wood off and put it back on. Loktani, so they didn't necessarily wait for the announcement, meaning, as Rashi says, they pretty much knew when it was daybreak. There was one time when they made a mistake, so to cover them for that one time that they made a mistake, they always now had a new announcement. But pretty much they knew anyway, so they didn't wait for the announcement for the logs of wood that they could always correct. They waited for the announcement for the shechting of it. So what have we concluded? Besides the fact that the hefzik to be tulach based on the psukim, we've learned that pretty much everything else requires a kohen, but now we have this bizarre thing that even though the psukim say the seed of Marocha and same day can require a kohen, we have now said because it's a night avoda, kasher bizarre, and what we have therefore said is that if there's a chiv, it's on the wood, and that's because the wood actually would take place in the day, not at the night. Okay.